Hi, I'm Debbie Kitterman, and welcome to Dare to Hear the Podcast, where we equip you and challenge you to dare to hear the voice of God. And if you were listening last week, you know that this is a carryover episode. This is part two with author, speaker, Kim Moss. I'm so excited. She is the author of Prophetic Community, God's Call for All to Minister in His Gifts. And we ended last week's episode. So for those that didn't listen, they need to go back and they need to listen to that. But we, I want to read what I left them with last time. So this is what I said that um, on the back of your book, it says, when the body of Christ recognizes that we are all called to be a prophetic community, the voice of God will be released with fresh power in the church and in families and in the halls of justice and education in the places of business and of leisure and in the streets of every neighborhood, city and nation, lives will be changed, communities will be transformed and culture will be influenced and history will be made. Can we just drop the mic right there? <laughs> like that, I think, is what everybody in the church has been crying out for for decades. And Kim, I really believe that your book, The uh, Prophetic Community, is in response to what we've been crying out. I really believe that it is um, when the church understands the importance and the necessity of prophecy that we will begin to step in and take our rightful place and that we'll shift cultures. In fact, one of the things that I, um, one of my taglines for me is that we can change the world one word at a time right? And that's what prophecy is all about. But I want to talk about, because we didn't get time on last week's episode to talk about this, that one of my favorite stories in your book was about Larry Randolph. So (laughs) this, you wrote this book, um, was your dissertation. Um, and so for people that are like, Oh, okay. It's like all theology based. It has that in there, but it is so practical and so easy to read. That is uh, like, I was just like, digesting it. And I just kept saying to my husband, Oh man, this goes so well with what I said. This is so good. And he's like, Oh, I'm so glad. Um, (laughs) but, but you said that you asked all of these different people, you asked Graham Cook and Chris Valentin and, um, Larry Randolph, you asked them this question. What is the number reason, number one reason that people do not prophesy? And I want you to talk about his response to you. And then, um, we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes from there. Okay. I actually, I interviewed eight major prophets Mm -hmm. and uh, Cindy Jacobs, Rick Joyner, uh, John Paul Jackson, Mm -hmm. um, Chris Bulletin, Graham Cook, Larry Randolph, Steve Thompson, Bill Hammond. Wow. It's just really fun. Definitely generals and powerhouses. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And, um, and they all, they all basically told me the same thing. Okay. And it boiled down to, um, after it boiled down all the conversation, um, boiled down to that the number one fear, there, it, well, the number one reason people don't prophesy is fear. Now, we're talking about the people in the pew, you know. And um, for years, I think, even in, in my own experience, I don't know if you've had, you had this experience, but I, I wasn't always Pentecostal. I was, uh, came from a mainline Protestant denomination. And when I came into the Pentecostal church and they believe in, you know, especially Foursquare, they believe in prophecy, of course, and healing and all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and so the model that I had for the prophetic, um, you know, and this was years ago, of course, the church that I began in, um, was that a prophet would be invited into the, into church, uh, to come to the church once a year. And what would happen is they would prophesy over a few people. They pick, it was, it was actually um, Dick 
Mills. Ah, yes. I have yes. never met him, but I have heard a lot about him. Ah, lovely, lovely, very prophetic, profoundly prophetic man. And he would be invited and he would give a little sermon, you know, and he'd call like five, six, eight people out of the, out of the uh, church, out of the audience and congregation. And he'd prophesy over them and then that would be it. And we would have to wait another year until the prophet came back to hear if God had something to say to us, even though we did believe that God spoke. And of course, you know, you're reading the Bible and I, I get all that, but, but this prophecy thing, it seemed like only prophets came and prophesied right and so that was the model and i didn't see that really in the new testament and um but i wondered uh, after i did all my studies and I, I i found out that there was more issues that prevented people from prophesying than just simply that they hadn't it hadn't been modeled to them and so i wanted to know what those issues were what was it going to take to shift this thing in the church so that as Paul said, all may prophesy that all we would all prophesy that we would become a true prophetic community and speak God's words to everyone we come in contact. Like Graham Cook always says, no one should be no one should be safe from a blessing. No one should be safe from a prophecy. Yes. If people are around, we should be able to say this is what God is saying. So, um, in talking to Larry Randolph in particular, you know, said that people are afraid. That's the number one fear. People are afraid to say something in the church. Because if they, if they step out and they practice and they try to speak a word, um, they get punished. You know, they get labeled as a false prophet. Um, the test for prophecy up until this point in many churches, um, even still today, often is 100% accuracy. I love Larry Randolph is the one that told me, you know, that 10 guys can come into a church. Uh, no, a guy can come into a church who's a healer and he can stand up you know, 200 people and one person can get healed and they go, whoa, whoa, he's a healer, right? He right. said the prophet can come into a church and stand up a hundred people and give a hundred words and 99 of them are correct, but one person is wrong and they call him a false prophet. You see yes. And so people yeah. are afraid that that's going to happen to them, that if they get it wrong, that they will be labeled as a false prophet. And if they're not labeled directly as a false prophet, then they're punished or ostracized. They're, they, are, um, they are rejected in some form or fashion. And they, they really don't wanna deal with that. It, yeah. it comes, it really comes from a, 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 a misunderstanding of Old Testament scripture about what a false prophet really is mm -hmm. and, and what, uh, what constitutes false prophecy. It's not actually 100% accuracy. We know that because if you think it through logically, you know, when you look at scripture, the canonical prophets, of course, who were the great prophets, and there are other prophets in scripture, but the canonical prophets, some of the prophecies they wrote didn't come to pass for 400 years. They were long dead. Mm -hmm. So at the time when they prophesied it, they weren't 100% accurate in those prophecies because they didn't come to pass even in their lifetime or even the next generation or the generation after that, and nobody called them a false prophet. That's a great point. You know, great point. and yet we have people like Balaam who actually was called a false prophet and he gave a true prophecy yeah. over Israel when the king wanted to pay him for that. And so we have to say, so Lord, then what really constitutes a false prophet? Well, Jesus makes it very clear. You judge a tree by its fruit mm -hmm. and the fruits are character issues. The fruits are character issues. Paul said to us, 
Paul said to us that we see through a glass darkly and that we don't know all things. We're not going to know all things until we're known, until Jesus returns, a perfect return. So we know that we're not going to get it 100% right right now. We, we are going to give what we see, how we see it. And there's all kinds of things that can cloud our judgment. And I'm not talking about somebody who is just misses it all the time and still walks into a place and says, I'm a prophet, I'm going to read your mail. It's like, you know, yeah, be quiet and sit down. That would be good. And when you get submitted and you learn a few things, you know, and you start becoming accurate, maybe we'll let you try again, you know, and that, that's different in your average person in the church. In, in the church, really, we need to create a safe atmosphere for people to begin to practice the skill and the craft of prophesying. The leaders in the church need to be responsible for making sure the protocols are spoken about regularly mm -hmm. and that there's teaching on what prophecy is and what prophecy isn't, what it looks like, what it isn't, you know, and that we, we begin to practice and, and encourage each other to practice. And then when someone gets it wrong, that we don't say it's, it's okay, but that we use that as a, a kind and loving teaching moment and discipleship moment and we say okay well what were you thinking how did you feel about that and and um and did you test that word before you gave it see we give a word that we and anyone who hears that word are responsible to test that word mm -hmm. right and i know this is something that you wanted to talk about a i bit. did i did want to talk about that i did want to talk about that because i think it's a piece that is missing really in the prophetic community sort of so go right ahead so you're yeah, going so, right with we wanted to talk so i think some of the ways that we can relieve the fear of people in the pew like we're talking about our whole congregation right we're talking about every, people who are not used to getting up on a platform and and saying i feel like the lord is telling giving me this word right so we're, we're training them, we're equipping them, we're giving them protocols in the church. These are all measures we take in the church that help them feel safe. The other way we help them feel safe is that we take, we take the responsibility of, of judging and testing a word because Paul always says, we need to test the word. So we can't skip over that part, you right. know. But we take that responsibility and we put it on all, all, all people. We take it on the person who's giving the word, but we, we also put it on the people who's receiving the word. Yeah. So that I, if I'm, I'm beginning and practicing in prophecy, and I give you a word, Debbie, I don't have to be fully responsible for that. I can give it knowing that you're going to test that word and say if it really means something to you. And then you're going to give me feedback on that so yeah. that I can learn and grow, just like any other skill, any other skill. If I'm if I call myself a speaker and I go in and I and I'm just terrible at it, and nobody says, "Well, Kim, like you ought to smile when you speak to people," you know, or stop saying "oh" every five minutes. Um, um, um. You know, right. these are practical things, people, and they help you with it. You get better and better and better in your craft. It's the same with prophecy. So, yeah, testing a word is important in order to give yes. feedback, but in order so that we don't feel like. I know for me, maybe you felt the same way. I was scared to death the very, in the very beginning, giving a prophetic word because I was like, God, what if I give a, a wrong word, a bad word, and somebody follows that and it ruins their entire life? Oh, like, God, I know that's, that's so right, <laughs> yes. right? And it, that causes the fear of the Lord, which is a good thing. I mean, yes. you know, you should have the fear of the Lord. Absolutely. But it's also a false responsibility, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm not responsible for your life and all the decisions you make. 
And I have to be able to practice until I get better at this, hearing the Lord, because as I practice, I hear you better. And I start to discern if that's really you and how I hear and the ways that God speaks to me. And I become uh, better equipped and more aware. It becomes easier to hear that voice instead of my own voice or the voice of the enemy. So we teach people to test the word and how we test the word. I make it really simple. There's all kinds of ways and you can get many, many books. I, I call it three different tests, the leadership test, the biblical test, the discernment test. So let's start with the biblical test. First of all, every, and I think everyone should know this, but we're not adding to scripture these days. There is no one writing new scripture right. and there's nothing to add to scripture. And so if you give a prophetic word and it adds to scripture, first of all, um, you are wrong. Sit down and be quiet. Um, let's just make that very clear. Yes. Um, and then if you receive a word or you give a word and it doesn't line up with scripture, meaning it doesn't agree with the principles of scripture and what scripture reveals about God, about God's people, about God's ways with people, you also, that's not a word from God right there. It's just not a word from God. If you've received a word like that, you throw it in the trash. You don't even give it another thought. You don't let it land in your memory or in your heart. You don't let it, you don't adjust your life to it. Uh, trying to come into alignment with the Lord. It's a bad word. Don't, yeah, don't receive it. Good. Yeah. And so you discern it. So you have to ask questions, you know, does this, does this word, does it, does it look like God as what we find in scripture? Does it, does it um, contradict anything that the Bible says, you know? So an easy one, this is way easy because sometimes the lines are more blurred than, and it is a little harder than it seems, but on the surface, but a really easy one is that if somebody is married and you feel like the Lord wants you to tell them that they're not supposed to be married to that person, they're supposed to be married to that other person over there because it would increase their anointing, which unfortunately that has actually happened in the body of Christ and has given prophecy a bad, a bad uh, reputation. Yeah. Um, that doesn't line up with scripture. That's not the Lord. That's not what the Bible says. It's not what the New Testament tells us what Jesus said. And it's not how God works with people because once you're married, you've become one flesh. And so before the Lord, that's inseparable. Let no man put that asunder, right? And so uh, that wouldn't line up with God. So you need to ask questions. Does this, does this sound like God look like God? Is this in line with what God says in scripture? Then there's the discernment test. The discernment test is a little bit harder. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to make you aware. So, so you receive a word or you're going to give a word. Does this resonate in your spirit? Is this something, now I have heard people say, pastors say, and I, I actually don't agree with this, and let me explain to you why, but um, I've heard pastors say that the only prophetic words that you will give are words that are a confirmation of something someone has already said. Well, that's not true because revelation, the nature of revelation to begin with is something that you have not known that only God can reveal. So God is always revealing to us new things. However, there's nothing new under the sun. That's the difference, see? Might be new to you, might be new to your life. There's nothing new under the sun. So, so you discern, does this, it's more than just this is a confirmation. Is it a confirmation? Or does it resonate with me? Does, does my spirit, when I heard it, do I have a check about it, like a red flag about it? Or does this really feel like this could be God? You know, if there's nothing there, my recommendation to you is, is you put it on the shelf, don't throw it away and wait. Because I have had words two years later go, you know that word that was, okay, now I understand what they're saying. This is from the Lord, you yeah. know, and I didn't throw it away simply because of that. If you have a red flag, that's different. But we, but you know, discernment means that we're discerning whether it's from the flesh 
whether it's from the Lord or whether it's from a demon, it can be any of those things. And, yeah. you know, so we need to discern that. We need to ask those kinds of questions. Then the third test, of course, is the um, leadership test. And we all ought to be within a community. And how is it you put it last show? Submitted, committed, and connected. And connected. Yeah. I love that, Debbie. It's so important um, because this, uh, this is another way we test a word. Ask your, the people that you are connected with. You know, my friends know me better than myself because there's their blind spots that I have about me, you know? Yeah. And then I am, even though I, I'm an itinerant minister, I travel the world and I prophesy and I preach. I prophesy to pastors and nations and people, you know, yet I'm part of a local church right here. My church is uh, Antioch Church in Simi Valley. My pastor is Pastor John Amstutz and I'm submitted to him. And if I got a major word from a prophet and I do at times, you know, I would go and say, what do you think about this word? You know, how are you feeling about this? I submit it to the, I submit to a leadership test. If you are the prop, if you are the prophetic person, if you're the person in the church and you want to give a word to the church, you submit it to the leadership test before you ever stand up in a church and give it, you know, you go to someone in the leadership and you say, um, here, I'm hearing this for the church. What do you think? Cause they're going to discern if it fits in with where they're going with the Holy Spirit's doing right now. They're going to discern the timing of the word. In other words, they're going to discern if this is really what the word is saying for the church or if this needs more developing and more thinking through. So those things are all really important. The, the last thing that I want to say is that, because this is so important to me personally, is that if you are one of those people that the way that you receive revelation, we all receive revelation in different ways. You receive it, a lot of symbolism. This is a pet peeve of mine. I'm a very practical, pragmatic person. You can probably tell that, you know, along with my gift of prophecy, I also have a gift of teaching, go figure. And, um, and you know, I'm very academic or whatever. But um, I have had people stand up in my church when I was a pastor to give a word. And they'd explain it to me one way, but then they give up and they give the symbolism and they sit down. You know, or they go on and on and on, right, Debbie? Because they yes. get the preach on. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't go beyond Go, don't go beyond what you told the leader that you were going to say. That's really important because then we don't trust you anymore to get up and give you a microphone. Yes. But if you're going to talk about symbolism, it's really important to interpret the symbolism for the people who are listening so that they can enter into the word. The whole point of giving prophetic word, of telling people what God is saying, is so that they can, they can join God and what he's doing in their life and through their life and in their family. And if they cannot understand it, especially, especially if you're in the workplace, but oftentimes in the church, they get up and say, I had a dream last night and you know, there was a rocket flying over the moon and it circled three times and then it left. And I knew God was saying something to us and you sit down. They're like, people are like, what? I, they just think you're crazy, right? They just think that's, they don't know how, what does that mean for me? Because yeah. Because, you know, we have to be able to understand what the word is and then how do we walk in what God is saying? Exactly. It's so good. It is that that's so good. And can I just say that that is my biggest pet peeve too, is like somebody will come and, and because we want to develop this prophetic community, if you yeah. will, our church congregation, that I usually want people to give the word, like I, I err on the side of caution of, okay, what they told me is really good. I'm going to give them the opportunity to step up there. And then they get up there and then they go, that is so not what, like I'm looking at my husband going, that is not what they told me at all. 
So there's just like, yeah, no, next time. Tell me, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just release it, you know? And so it's just like, it's like, can we just get people that are somewhere in the middle that just want to, yeah. So good. So good. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that has the pet peeve in that area. And also I love your tests. I love the tests, the, the basic tests that you have. Um, and I talk about very similar things too, lining up with the word of God, because every time God speaks, it is not going to contradict the word of God, not adding right. to it, using discernment, and then really submitting it to other people. Because you're right, no matter who we are, we have blind spots in in our lives, and we need people that will step in there, that will step into those gaps for us. And it's so important that we are submitted, committed, and connected with um, other people that we trust and that we allow to speak into us. Well, um, I also wanted to ask you about dissecting prophecy. Um, so in your yeah. book on page 143, you talk about dissecting prophecy and you talk about revelation, interpretation, and application. And so mm -hmm. I have so many other questions, but I think this will have to be our last <laughs> one because, All right. because of our time. But um, if right. you could just talk about that, that would be wonderful. Well, um, this ties in with the last thing that we were talking about. But revelation actually, I mean, uh, prophecy has three parts. There's revelation, interpretation, and application. So the revelation really is um, what, what is the actual thing that God said or God showed you. It's the thing that, that you couldn't have known that God brought to your table. You know, it can come by a dream, can come by impression, can come through a vision. There's all sorts of ways, but it's the actual revelation. So we find this actually in Acts, and uh, actually the, the day of Pentecost, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the Holy Spirit comes, is poured out, right? The Holy Spirit's poured out and there's a mighty rushing wind and there's tons of fire land on people's heads. And, okay. and um, the, the people, uh, all the, they see this. So they are seeing the revelation. The revelation is what, what has been revealed, what has come. And they immediately, they say, what does this mean? Well, this is what interpretation is. Interpretation of the revelation answers the question, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. So what, what do the symbols mean? What does the prophetic word mean? Give, give me uh, more in a context so that I can understand exactly what God is saying. What does he mean by showing me that? What is he, what is he talking about? Give me a greater fullness. You know, it's legal. I think we think sometimes when we're prophetic people, because we, we, we have like magical thinking, right? Yeah. And we sort of think, well, it's supposed to be mysterious. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. You know, when, when you read, when you read scripture, even in the prophetic stuff, even in, in Ezekiel, you know, who was the, he's like the audiovisual prophet, right? Yes. And he, He's having all this symbolism and he's seeing the glory of God with the wheels and the eyes and all of that. But then there's an interpretation, you know, and then he's hearing things and he understands more about the glory of God and that the glory is leaving the temple. And, you know, but it, the glory of God is in the place where his name is and, you know, all, all these kinds of things. And so we need to understand that, that we need to understand what does the symbolism mean? So interpret the revelation. That's the next part. And then the application is, and so what do we do about that? You know, now it's okay to ask the Holy Spirit for more. It's okay. We, we have that magical thinking, well, I received the symbolism and I just need to give only what he has said to me. Well, yes, there's a truth in that. I've heard that said many, many times. It's, there's a truth in that. I don't want you to give your opinion. Right. We exactly. all have an opinion, you know, it's yes, opinions. <laughs> you know, because your opinion is not prophecy. Right. Okay. 
However, it's okay when you get a revelation to say to God, what, what exactly does that mean? What does that mean for this person? What does that mean for this nation? What does that mean for this people group? What does this mean for my workplace? You know, what, what does that mean? And ask him for a fuller, a fuller understanding of that revelation. And then, and then you ask the questions, you know, what do we do about that? That's the application. How do I apply this to my life, to their lives? Now, you may not get all of that. And if God doesn't give it to you and you don't feel like he has inspired the, the, the interpretation and application, you can only give what you get. That's true. Okay. But it's legal to ask the Holy Spirit <laughs> questions. Yes, it is. Because it's a conversation. It's not like a puppetry. I'm not, I'm not a puppet. You know, it's not ventriloquism. It's right. not like that. It's a, it's a, it's a conversation in a relationship. And so ask him, you know, when, when the people in Acts said that, what does this mean? Peter, who just received the Holy Spirit, what he's doing, he's preaching, but it's prophesying. He is giving the interpretation and the application in his prophetic sermon. It's prophetic utterance. He's just received the Holy Spirit himself. He's had a tongue of fire happen on him, on his head as well. And now he is filled with the Holy Spirit and he rises up and he used to be this blunder head, you know, who would say things that you're like, Peter, just like, be no. quiet and sit down. Yes, quick, you're going to hurt yourself. You know, exactly. Instead, he stands up and he gives this powerful sermon saying, this is that, this is what this is, this is the fulfillment of Joel 2.28. This is the fulfillment of Isaiah 20, 59, 19-21. This is the fulfillment of Numbers 11.29. This is the fulfillment of all these Old Testament passages of Scripture. Now you have the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and this is, and Jesus, he connects it with Jesus. And he says, Jesus was not only the Messiah that you understand to bring salvation, but he's the Messiah who's the bearer and now the bestower of the Holy Spirit. And he has poured it out on you. And just like, just like God attested to him with signs, wonders, and miracles, now we are going to be attested to by signs, wonders, and miracles because we're given the same Holy Spirit. And then they go, what do we do? And he says, be baptized, get saved. Yeah. Believe on Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. Why is it that the church, and this is also what my book is about, see? Yeah. Prophetic community, we cannot any longer just stop with the preparation of salvation. Salvation prepares you to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that you can bring the kingdom of God and he will testify to that through signs, wonders, and miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I was like, Ooh, get your preach on girl. I love <laughs> yeah. This is so good. It's so good. And the, I wanted to read this quote too, cause it was Steve Thompson who yeah. you were talking um, to. And he said, um, the offensive church versus the defensive church. Right. That's exactly what you're talking about. And the quote was, um, what we end up with is an encouraged church looking for something to do, which creates an offensive church instead of a defensive right. passive church. And, um, like, the prophetic is all about relationship and all of my listeners will know that's like the whole basis of my book. The prophetic is all about relationship with God and other people. And what you just said there, that is the whole point, right? For us to step into and to bring the truth of what is available for all of us today operating in relationship, in prophetic community with the body of Christ. And like, 
I love Kim that your book came out now and that I know you're writing another one, but you are not just a prophetic voice that people need to know about. You are actually, I think, an apostolic um, individual that is going to be releasing some important things for those of us that are in the body of Christ to be coming into align with what, what God is doing in the next season. And so thank you for that. Um, I know we probably have to wait 18 months cause that's how long it takes for the book. Uh-huh. to get. <laughs> um, um, But, um, and I won't ask you what it's about at all. Um, because yeah, I can tell you what it's about. Okay. I, I kind of heard you when you were on another interview, kind of talk about it and I'm like, Oh, she's speaking about my favorite story. So can you give us just a little snippet of what it's about? Well, you probably heard about the message I'm writing, right? About Elijah? Yes. yes. My book. Oh. The book that I'm writing is different. I'm writing on the passage of scripture, um, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. <sighs> and I'm going to talk about war and peace in the kingdom of God. That's I, That book. is so, oh, Kim, I am so excited to get that. Okay. So 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> so is that going to be like at the beginning of 2021 or at the end of 2020? Yes. Yeah, I will be finishing my manuscript next year, and then it'll come out the year after. Yes, I am excited. I am excited, and I know that this book has been 25 years in the making, um, because I've been, once I found out about you, I've started. (laughs) Okay. I'm so glad that that now you are a voice that people can get connected with, that people can hear, um, and that we can be hearing what God is releasing to you because I think what you have to say is very powerful. And so I'm glad that in this season that God has released your voice to not just those that he sends you to around the world, but really to the masses through your books, because I love your book. I love your heart. I love, um, I love that we have so many things in common. Yeah, we do. I, I love just, I just love who you are and the message that God has given you and that you just you just preach it. And I love that about you. Um, I'm going to ask you to pray us out because one right. book you talk about um, creating a hunger. Yes. I don't want you to release that over us, but before we do that, can you let people know how they can connect with you? Yes. The best way is through my website, uh, kimmoss.com. My last name is M-A-A-S, <laughs> kimmoss.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Twitter's PK at PK Moss. Um, Facebook's Kim Moss Ministries, uh, Instagram Kim Moss Ministries, and um, and you can uh, get a hold of me through hello at kimmoss.com. That is wonderful. Okay, I am ready for your prayer. I'm in All right. mode right now. <laughs> I want more. I know people are like, I don't know that Debbie could be any hungry. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> I want this fire, this match inside of me to like Amen. such a prophetic picture, which we talked about, which people will just have to guess about it. So, okay. I'll let you pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Um, Lord, you told me a few years back, Lord God, that, the, that uh, if I wanted to bring my grandchildren and my children along for this ride, uh, that I would need to create hunger. And you gave me creative ways. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just release over anyone who's listening, Lord God, over Debbie and her family and her entire church, Lord God, uh, a creative anointing, Lord God, to come up with creative and visionary ways to begin to create hunger in their church. Lord God, I'm asking that you would stir up and remind them of the testimonies, Lord God, all the way back. Testimonies from history, testimonies from our tradition, testimonies from our heritage, testimonies from our own life, testimonies, Lord God, of in the present, in Jesus' name, that we would begin to give the testimony that is the spirit of prophecy, Lord God, and create hunger. Wow, I feel the Holy Spirit in our, in our people, Lord God, in our families, Lord God, in our communities, 
in our city and in our nation, God, in Jesus' name. I'm asking, Lord God, that the church now become, Lord God, a testimony, Lord God, of your greatness and the supernatural power of God, Father, and that the testimony of the salvations, the testimony of the revivals, the testimonies, Lord God, of the miracles would now begin to surface, Lord God, and be told again and again and again until people, Lord God, are so hungry, Lord God, that they fall on their face like they did in the in the in the train station with Wigglesworth, it comes to my mind, Lord God, and he, when they fell down on their face and said, how can I get saved? How can I know this God of yours? How can I become a Christian? So, Father, we're looking for a hunger. Stir the hunger in us, Lord God. Father, where we have been so well-fed, Lord Jesus, in the church for all these years, I'm asking, Lord God, that now we would begin to hunger, Lord God, to see your power, Lord God, demonstrated outside the church, that we would hunger to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we would hunger, Lord God, right now, Father, I'm just feeling like Debbie and your church, Lord God, I have, have something to do in healing, Lord God, that they are supposed to press in, Lord God, for healing outside of the church, Lord God, especially that they would hunger, Lord God, to see autism healed, Lord God, that they would hunger, Lord God, to see mental illness healed, Lord God, that they would hunger to see diabetes healed, Lord God, that they would hunger, that their city would be a cancer-free zone in Jesus' name. And I'm just asking, Lord God, that you would stir up their hunger, Lord God, to see those things, Lord God. Sometimes when you hunger to see those things, it's because those are the things, Lord God, that you are bringing into our midst in Jesus' name. So I'm asking for a release and a stirring up of the gift of healing, the gift of the prophetic, Lord God, in a new way to use on behalf of healing, that the word of knowledge gift Lord God, would now be, would be uh, uh, joined and married, Lord God, to the gift of healing in their lives and in their church, Lord God, and in everyone who's listening in Jesus' name. Father, I just feel right now, I just want to pray for Foursquare because I love my denomination, God, and I love, Lord God, everything that, that you brought, Lord God, into this heritage through through Amy Simple McPherson. So I'm asking, Lord God, that you start the gift of healing and that you would release over us a fresh, Lord God, word of prophecy for our time in our day, and that we would be on the forefront of this Holy Spirit move that's happening all over the earth, in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen, that was so good, and thank you for praying over our church. Like, oh, uh, we'll, we'll talk off, we'll talk off a uh, podcast. So uh, thank you for listening to Dare to Hear the Podcast, where we encourage you and challenge you to dare to hear the voice of God. Thank you for listening today. I'm Debbie Kinnerman. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode with my special guest, Kim Moss, that I pray that you would find her book, that you would connect with her online and her social media. And if you've been encouraged in any way, we would be honored if you would subscribe to our podcast or our YouTube channel. Also leave us a review, but get this message out there because of Kim's book, Prophetic Community. We want to just spread that message out there like wildfire for her. So Kim, thank you for joining us. And with that guest, we will see you next week with a new episode. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, don't forget the giveaway for Kim's book ends on Friday, November 8th. My mom's doing a giveaway on her blog for this book. So head over to debbiekitterman.com slash blog.
Thank mm-hmm. you.